What's up, Society members? Welcome to the Underground Society Podcast, a show that helps you achieve your goals in the EDM industry. My name is Justin McGarry, and I invite you to join me in discovering the challenges that the professionals in our industry had to overcome in order to get to where they are today. Today, our guest, Brainwreck, and I talk about how he built a well-rounded brand around his project, how doing so led him to release on huge labels like Grave Dancer and Subsidia, and why building the full package as an artist is so important, because as you'll hear in the interview, it isn't enough anymore to just post a song on SoundCloud to start blowing up and touring. Hope you're all ready for this one. Let's get started. Underground Society Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Era of EDM, a lifestyle brand inspired by electronic music. Based out of Northern California, they are proud to announce their magazine will be available free via print and digital come April 2022. And on top of that, they're working on bringing some of the biggest acts to their local market. Check them out on eraofedm.com to see all they're doing and stay in the know. So you live in Philly now, but you're not originally from there. I live in Philly. I grew up in Pittsburgh. I was born in California, moved around a few times uh, as a kid, but moved to Pittsburgh when I was in like second grade. Sweet. Grew up there. You know, to me, that's my hometown. Gotcha. Um, and then I moved to Philly in 2012 okay. to go to college. I went to Temple University. Okay. And that's kind of where everything started for me in terms yeah. of DJing, producing, all of that. And so I'm coming up on about almost 10 years DJing, about nine years producing. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Excellent. And you said, where'd you grow up? So Pittsburgh. So basically like second oh, grade you. through. Yeah, yeah. And I did a, um, a year of community college in Pittsburgh. So I stayed got back you. that freshman year, transferred to Temple in Philly as a sophomore. And been here ever since. Nice. Never looked back. <laughs> was it just like your parents had a job out there or something? You guys had to move or? Yeah. So we, my dad, um, we moved around a little bit with, because of his job. and But he grew up in Pittsburgh in the same gotcha. town that we, I grew up in. So it was like he moved back to be closer to his parents and his family. And that's gotcha. um, why we were there. Um, but I think it was kind of good for me to kind of leave. and Yeah go start my own life somewhere else just because i'm from the west coast and i have actually i don't think i've actually ever been that far east how far is that uh, like from philly to pittsburgh yeah yeah so it's like five hours so it's clearly in Got the you. same state they're on the opposite sides of the state Got you. but early on i was always taking buses back and forth which like <laughs> were mad long and then late like a couple years into being in philly the buses like added stops between so it would take like most mega buses or greyhounds would take like eight hours. Holy shit. Because they do they do like three stops and it would take forever. So I, I got a car here eventually, but nice. I'm used I'm like used to that travel and now it like it doesn't bother me to drive home like the five, five and a half hours. Right. Well, and I bet now that you're, you know, flying out for shows and stuff like that, like you're very much used to that process of getting on like a bus or a plane or, you know, same kind of concept. <laughs> yeah, I'm used to it. I mean, we all get on that. We start traveling and, you know, we're like, all right, there's always hassles, but yeah, make music, relax, try to enjoy it. But yeah, I've, this never really bothered me. Um, the travel aspect yeah. of all of that. What was the scene like? I mean, I know Subtronics, Jesse's from that area, but what is the scene really like out there? Philly is amazing. The scene is very big for me. I don't think I could have gotten to where I'm at now just staying in Pittsburgh. Right, right. Um, a big part of that just being the scene here in Philly. One from, you know, your 50 cap made, not cap, but like 50 to 100 person small shows. Right. You know, at a bar here to 
the biggest dubstep acts, there are, and there's a few main promoters besides like Live Nation and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a lot of opportunity to play and perform and, and grow into that and kind of nice. build in the city. Yeah. Um, so one, in that aspect, it's really nice. Two, you seem to have artists from, you know, I just started making music this year to a Subtronics. Um, yeah. yeah. And then in between, it seems like there's always, what I've noticed from Philly every year to whether it's dubstep or, you know, EDM in general or rap, someone is blowing up from Philly. That is a big scene there too. The rap scene is pretty big over there. It's very big. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a, I mean, one, it's a large city. There's just so much going on. Yeah. I always say like my time at Temple, I almost cherish and value everything I was doing outside of school, getting into the music scene, the hip hop scene, the EDM right. scene, DJing, producing, every, just the connections early on when you're not even thinking of that. You're just kind yeah. of diving into a new city and a new scene and figuring it out it all has just built for me where I'm at now. It's stuff where I look back and I'm like, that was, you know, these were things that kind of yeah. just pushed me the next step, you know, but um, Philly has been amazing for me uh, awesome. in that regard. And then past that geographically, New York's two hours. True. DC and Baltimore are an hour, you know, by Virginia, where I was at was a little South of DC right. this, on yesterday, but that was three hours. So it's yeah. like, you can, well, I think at the early stages where it's really tough to get paid well uh, in this industry for shows where you're making like, you know, maybe get a hundred bucks or <laughs> something like that to go play. You can go do it feasibly. I can go play in New York. Like I've, I've played Brooklyn and, and probably, I don't know, probably the past four years, I mean, COVID and everything, but like right. I played Brooklyn and kind of around New York, like 10, 15 times yeah. since I've been brain racking everything. So you know, you can catch a $10 bus to go up there and <laughs> have friends stay in apartments. So it's like, right. you know, not a lot of people who maybe live maybe in a rural area. You know, I have producer friends who it's like, I, I'm even like, come to Philly or I'll try and help you get a show here. Cause there, it, I know people and can, there is a lot of opportunity where some places there's not opportunities at all versus yeah. maybe you have the giant tours that come through, yeah. sick, yeah. but not a lot of places have I think this network to grow as an artist, um, like yeah. Philly does. Other than like LA, I mean LA is also like so, so <laughs> Philly is not the only place that you know. There's cool right. hubs for EDM, dubstep, hip hop, whatever it is. This is just kind of unique to my story, oh, yeah. and no, I absolutely. think what has helped me grow to where yeah. I'm at, and still now, you know, able to just go, you know, around, and you yeah. know, maybe I don't need to press the promoter for a flight here. I can just go drive a couple hours and make it easy. Right. You know, right. Stuff right. Like that. That is nice. Yeah. I, like I said, I'm not from there and I've never really been there for shows. I didn't really know how the scene is. Where are you from? I know you said you're on the West coast. I'm from Northern California, like Sacramento okay. Bay, or Bay cool. area now, but yeah. Um, but it seemed like you in 2018 is really when your career really started to gain some traction. Um, what was that process like? I mean, that was, that's quite a few years between 2012 and 2018. So the 20, around the 2018 time, this was cool. I was, um, there used to be this record label called Bad's Dope Records, T-A-K-Z, okay. run by Spankalicious. They were like a Midwest kind of based label. They were, uh, they basically took me on a tour in 2018 where we did, nice. I think, 13 stops from St. Louis to Oakland where I played like the wormhole, mm -hmm. um, entertainment, uh, those guys, I played their show. And then 
we all went up to the Unce Festival and played there to finish yeah. out. The- Unce is like my backyard, too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that was an amazing experience. I mean, this was like basically, you know, no guarantee of pay. Like maybe we got 20 bucks a day for food, like not every day, but we were like, you know, 10 people jammed in one or two hotel rooms, yeah. like all jammed in cars. However, it was like probably the most amazing time of my life. Uh, I would sick. have to say. And I was kind of, you know, stuff happened and you know everything wasn't you know sunshine and flowers i was kind of prepared for that i was expecting the worst and knew that like you know we're playing like 50 to like 100 most of the time people so a few shows we had a couple hundred and it was Mm -hmm. just like you know i just felt blessed to be able to go have that opportunity and and get out there like that but that was like my first time really getting out nationally versus like i was just on the east coast local area maybe had played you know i played all around philly maybe new york you know, maybe some smaller festivals around here, but nothing on that scale. And that was cool because I also played in Brooklyn the night before I had to go to St. Louis. So it was kind of like started in Brooklyn for that tour and ended up in California, which was at that time I was small. You know, I mean, right. maybe I had an EP or two out. So, you know, I, I've been releasing music for a couple of years, but it was like, you know, maybe I didn't have businesses going on tour yet. <laughs> but it was uh, definitely a bunch of smaller artists were like, the year before they did that tour, and that was like Easy Bake's first tour. Yeah, like a yeah. lot of artists like that. Like I was with Salty and Smokestacks, if you're familiar, yep, um, yep. Patches, a whole group of other uh, you know guys with us on that tour, and it was a blessing. And then I kind of thought that that was going to be my route with that label for a little bit, but shortly after the tour, you know, we don't need to get into it, but stuff happened yeah. with the owner, and the label kind of dissipated. And uh, I was kind of on my own, you know, no man. He's like my first manager, you know, gotcha. stuff. maybe I had some friends managing me before, but I was like, okay, now I'm back on my own. <laughs> I think in 2019 was when my You current, went on tour with Cod Dubs right after, or the next year, right? So yeah, that was, so that was, um, it was like a weekend tour. We did like three dates. So like, Got you. not that it wasn't a tour, but my, you know, in my mind, I didn't like, right, right, you know, yeah. associate it like that, but yeah. Matt is a homie. He is currently killing it, has always been killing it. Oh, yeah. We, I think, talked a little on social media before that, but had a great weekend. Uh, played like, I think, two PA dates and somewhere in Jersey or something nice. like that. So that was kind of like everything was going well. And then I think I had shortly after that linked up with my new manager, uh, Josh, who is one of the owners of Unlocked Presents. Okay. And then we basically, the pandemic happened. I had just yeah, gotten dude. like one of my biggest shows in Philly. It was like, I think February with Buku or something like oh. that. Uh, and then it was like the next week or two after that, everything shut down. It was like, we had already kind of been hearing stuff, yeah. but no one really knew. And then it was like two weeks later, everything was shut down. That sucks. Um, so, which was, it was tough. I mean, I was able to stay pretty consistent through the pandemic with releases and stuff. Did you play a lot of live streams and stuff during the pandemic? I, uh, live stream was tough for me. I okay. tried to, and I seemed to always have an issue. I would say that some stuff with technology, I have a hard time with. I'm not gotcha. I'm definitely tech savvy, but there's things like, it just seemed like something was always going wrong. Some little thing and we couldn't figure it out. So I stopped agreeing to like doing it live. And I was like, I'll record it for you. And so I did like one or two like that, but it was just tough. Like uh, for me, like not that I need to get paid for every opportunity, but a lot of these right. live streams don't pay. And I right. put like a lot of time into these sets 
and making it like the best I can be, especially for something like that. And yeah. it just got to a point where I was like, dude, I just can't do this. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I can't really entertain these offers. And like, um, I wanted to for some stuff. And I was like, granted, you know, if some massive label, you know, <laughs> the big leaves wants me to do a live stream or something that's worth it. Yeah, like I'm yeah. going to do it. But it just seemed to be a lot of small stuff. That I'm, like, I'm like, let's just pass on this right, right. now. Right. I want to keep writing and just kind of stay in this flow. During the pandemic, then you were really focused on like producing, which you produced a lot. You did a lot of cool releases on Subsidia and you did an EP. Uh, you did your EP with Grave Dancer during that time. So that was more your main focus during uh, like a lot of people. But um, some people really started looking, I mean, even more kismet. They started, you know, doing the live streams and stuff. They were producing, but I think the live stream and like during the pandemic, they were able to use that time by doing live streams to really like start their project and gain traction oh yeah and i and i think it, if you're able to, to i don't know just what i was getting offered it was just like yeah i'm gonna reach some people but it was nothing yeah. like yo this is gonna like you know in terms of pr marketing like this is right. gonna be the jumper like hey we have this great idea for this we're gonna get a bunch of eyes on you like it was just never something like and not that yeah. it needs to be you know i'm not right. i'm not massive i don't necessarily you know i'm yeah. not like sitting <laughs> here like oh how could you offer me this small live stream but it got to a point where I'm like, this is stressing me out more than yeah, yeah. it needs to, or than I need to even deal with it. And let's just keep making music and just keep moving forward. And that's where the drive, the drive-ins kind of started to come in. Where I yeah, was, yeah. I did get a few drive-ins, which was nice. It kind of filled out right. some of that time. So I was like, let's just forget it. You know, with the yeah. live streams, I was yeah. like, let's just move forward and yeah. shows will hopefully be back soon. I think it was a, I think it was a smart yeah. move though that you were able to focus solely on producing there at that time because then that really like you started releasing on some bigger labels and like that really gave you another push in a different way than people seeing you play so like before that i had a release with subcarbon which was my first like bigger right, label right. release shout out ganja white night i freaking love those guys yeah no <laughs> I, I i feel i was that was awesome i was yeah. like you know at first i was like this is crazy i got my first release and um the subsidia thing has been um a huge thing for uh, a yeah. huge opportunity for me which for me, that all came with a well-timed email. I ah. had no idea about the label. I've had Excision's email for a long time and I was waiting for not my, be like, okay, this song is good. Like, let's send it to him or like, you know, and kind of introduce myself. And I think what happened was it was that July, I don't know, 2019 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Or sometime June, July, maybe a little earlier. I finished the, you know, with Shizlo yeah. and I sent Jeff a personal email. I said, Hey Jeff, I've been a big fan forever since like your first, uh, Sean Boy mix. Oh yeah. That's a throwback. <laughs> uh, and then I, and then I had seen him in Pittsburgh. It was like my second EDM show in 2010. And I was like, I saw you open up for Mastercraft. If you remember them. Oh yeah. He yeah. literally opened up for them and was on like fold out table with no production, like no, you could see his feet, like there was no anything, wow. like not even like an. It, there was a there was a light wall, but it wasn't a video wall. It was just dots that would light up. Gotcha, yeah. Um, so it was um, very cool to see so where he's <laughs> taken his project from there, and Literally then the for biggest. me to be kind of introducing myself. I wanted to just do some sort of a personal email. You know, yeah. I didn't like beat his ear down with a, right, a novel. Right. Right. But uh, then we're just like, hey, just finished. I'm a producer in Philadelphia. Just finished this new song uh, with my boy Shizlo. And he emailed me back about a week later, uh, listened to it, downloaded it, and was like, he was like, OG fam, thanks for sending, like, love the track. That's sick. Um, and so I was like, cool, now I'm going to keep sending him music, you know, mm -hmm. keep that dialogue open. 
no idea about the label or anything like that. Right, right. A month later, I had click clock and whip my crew done. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm an email. I sent a promo out, you know, to a bunch bunch of people, and I was like, Hey, Jeff, just finishing new stuff up. Want to send your way? Week goes by. It's like midnight. I get a message or an email back from him. He goes, Hey, I would love to sign this to a project I'm working on. Let me know if you're interested with a smiley face. I was like, uh, I freaked out. I like shine up out of my, uh, I was like watching a movie. I like started screaming, called focus. I was like, bro, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but excision wants, a, or wants something. That's <laughs> you know? And um, that was how it all happened. I yeah. mean, it's, um, you never know. You, yeah. you never know. And I was just like, there was the right place, right time and right music. You know what I mean? Power of building and cultivating relationships too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so even for producers out there, like I send tons of promo emails and no one listens or whatever yeah. or whatever, but you just keep sending him. Cause I mean, for me, it was like, he was the one person who was listening at first. Like he would answer my stuff. And it was just like, even if people don't answer, you know, maybe don't keep emailing them all the time. But just like yeah, be yeah. persistent, just keep going. There's going to be so many no's. There's going to be so many unanswered emails. There's yeah. going to be, you know, all of that stuff. It's a numbers game. It's almost like re- relate very much relates to like almost like a sales thing or like it's just numbers. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, with current state of social media and just everything yeah. I'm doing my project, I'm in that mindset of like, okay, I need to push this piece of content out, like DM it to everyone, like get it yeah. out to, you know, do whatever I can right. to get my stuff out there, you know, and, yeah. and it's, there's ways to it not be annoying and like, you know, pestering someone, right, but yeah, you know, yeah. you, you figure it out along the yeah, way. Absolutely. Sure. Um, I want to touch on your brainwashed mix series. Yeah. Um, what, how did that come about? I don't really put like some people ask, like people ask me to put my lost land set out and I didn't record it. And I'm, if I end up playing it again this year, I'm going to record it just because it was asked for. Yeah. Really like put my sets out there on the internet. And not that I, I'm not like, Oh, you can't hear my set unless yeah. you come see me. It is kind of like that. I'm like, yeah, come see me. Like I, I put a lot of work into this and, you know, absolutely. It's a whole experience, you know, it's a DJ set, but it's like, yeah, I come with a lot of raw emotion with my performing. And I was going to touch on that too, is you have a lot of freaking energy when you're performing. Your stage <laughs> present is so sick. I like, I like watching you perform. So thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. And it's something that has developed over time. And it's something that I, I put a lot of thought into and I like try to be, as present as I can while I'm up there and, and showing all of that and conveying the emotions and, you know, just being that more relatable to the crowd. Um, so brainwashed, I was like, I want to just do like a, an ID mix series, like show my original or like my new unreleased stuff that's coming up, put some st- my other releases in there, do like a 20 minute mix. Mm-hmm. I had called my Facebook group brainwashed my branding is like not too deep in terms of meaning, but it's more like the aesthetic and it's just, I love it. I think it really works, but it was like, Hey, I want to put my unreleased music out there and kind of build hype on that. And I was like, why don't I do a mix series called brainwashed? And basically my thought right now is like, I'm probably going to drop up to volume five. Okay. And that'll probably happen over the next two years. Those will those next three will come out. And then I might stop is my thought. I mean, maybe I keep going, but like, I think it'll be at another step of my career, but for right now, I think it's a (laughs) good way to like build a little more hype. People know the IDs that are coming. There's a little more, you know, anticipation for them. Um, Where I'm not always releasing consistently, you know, I think it helps in the interim for me. It's like one of my pieces of thing. Okay. We don't have a release for a month or two. Let's drop the new IDs. Let's put it in there. And it's just like, you know, 
a part of like my overall content strategy that That's I'm dope. kind of yeah. have for this next couple of years. If I end up playing Lost Lands this year, again, I will record my set for sure. Sick. So talking a little bit more about that at Lost Lands, I just wanted to touch on like your experience there. Yeah. I didn't see your set at Lost Lands, but what stage did you play on? Were you, were you there? I was. Okay, cool. Yeah. I played the Subsidia stage, which okay, was sick. like, were you over there at all during the weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. saw Stone Level there. I saw a couple other guys there. That first off was insane. I mean, that stage <laughs> was as big as like three of my childhood homes. Like, yeah. I mean, if not more, like yeah. it was just for a side stage. <laughs> me, like, and then even like Raptor Alley, where like, yeah, Cod Dubs, Bainbridge, yep. like people like that played. Like, to me, not, I mean, every stage was perfect when you were in it. There was yeah. no complaints there, but I was like, dude, Excision really hooked it up for the label stage. I mean, it was yes. way bigger than that. Um, yeah. And the, you know, clearly the Astro, I mean, it was comparable to the forest stage, but to me, it was a little more grand and, and epic for sure. I'd love the, like, they had side panels and it like concaved back behind you. With the, it was sick. So it was sick. crazy being up there on stage like that with yeah. all those screens like yeah. that. Yeah. But the stage was so deep. It was. Which was really cool, but it was insane. I mean, I'd never been to Lost Lands. To go there and play that like that, I mean, I wasn't on the original lineup. Um, we right. built a really good relationship with uh, Excision and their managers and their team. And someone had dropped out, so that his oh. manager called mine and was like, "Hey, we want we want Alex." And I ended up getting it was like midnight on Sunday, so Damn. literally the other nights main stage ends at midnight, so this night right. Excision ended at eleven, so it gave an hour for people to come over or go back to their campsite, come yeah, back yeah, in yeah. where when I went to the set before, cause I just went over there, right. there was like a couple hundred people and it was filling in as that set was ending. But by the time I started, there was already like probably two, 3000 people. Yeah, there. I, mean, so it, sick. I believe it was probably like three to 4,000 people. It That's looked like, I don't dope. know, but yeah, it was yeah. like, from what I saw, like mine, Cyber G, Revlo, and maybe uh, a couple other sets were like the biggest shows there. Revlo through the, down holy yeah, shit that, that i love that guy. and right when it started we were all still up there that's and this sick. guy snuck on stage and went up and paused his intro track i don't know if you saw oh, it from, no i did not i don't know if you were over there but like literally got up paused his track and and literally had to have like three security people drag him off stage and what he the like hell? went and he like smacked revelo's hand in this exchange it was like I don't know. I was with John like recently in Philly or something. We were, we were talking about it. It was like such a ridiculous <laughs> situation. But um, that was the craziest hour of my life so far. I That's mean, awesome. it was, to me, I, I think I nailed it. Um, I came with everything I could in terms of all my music, all yeah. my homies on release music, like all of that. Do you think that's going to put you in a better position for playing this year? I am hoping so. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. But I'm also doing my part, doing like what I can on the other end. We have a new, another release with them coming out uh, next month. And then there was, they have a few other songs. So we're hoping to line up a couple more singles through the summer with awesome. Subsidia to kind of be with them. I'm going to be going to the DC Excision show. Okay. Um, at the end of March, where Computer and I have a new song. We just started writing oh, it a yeah. couple weeks ago. Yep. So I'm going to go there and we're going to drop it at Echo Stage together and I'll go get to, you know, hang out with the team and everything. Uh, I still haven't met Excision yet, so I'm hoping to like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. will be the time where I can go finally meet him and, and everything. Awesome. But I, I still, yeah. I played in DC, like at a venue across the street this summer, but I still haven't been in Echo Stage at all. Through all this time, what do you think one of the main keys to your success has been so far? 
there's a few things. I would say one, Philly, like we were discussing in the beginning yeah, of the podcast, yeah, just yeah. geographically, just everything I've been able to kind of access here in terms of artists, shows, other markets, anything like that. I would say to the time I spent as like a festival kid running around the country, essentially, and going mm-hmm. to shows all over the place, uh, especially when I was early on at Temple and in college, I met a lot of people. I met a lot of people in the back end of the scene, booking operations, artists, just anything yeah. where it was like they were friends at first or I was meeting artists early on. Just like I would say the networking I've done. Networking um, is so important. <laughs> Get good at networking. Anyone listening out there, get good at networking. <laughs> networking through just like my experiences, like friends I have from like yeah. home that are like just random people that I've known for my whole life that a few different people are kind of like, I don't want to say famous, but different people that are like a little more social media famous or bigger or doing some different things that maybe they're not in dubstep or EDM, but it's been like a little lucrative for me to kind of maybe meet other people in the hip hop scene or things just stuff that's not necessarily oh i met this big dubstep producer right, right. work. like I've, I've had kind of a unique life in that sense of just people i've met from philly um, yeah. and just different industry related industries of music and art and i've just grinded yeah. i haven't stopped bro um yeah, yeah clearly there's times that i've had downtime and i haven't been writing as much or releasing as much or whatever but for nine I mean, i've been brain rack for like six or seven years but i've been writing okay. music for like nine years but since brain rack has been a thing it's been like consistent full-time playing show. well no not full, not full-time job i've been i have been working other jobs on top of this no i mean time. like i mean like you treat it as a full-time it, job yeah. exactly yeah yeah exactly yeah. so yeah. i've treated it in that regard yeah for the majority of the project where you know, maybe I'm not playing a show every month and releasing right. a song every month, but every month or two, I'm playing a show. There's music coming out. I'm dropping some merch. I'm like yeah. playing some festivals. It's It's been consistent, which I think people tend to fall off after like maybe four or five years of things yeah. aren't happening. Or like for me, I kind of see myself as a 10-year artist for like a little after 10 yeah. years. Like I'm finally going to be seeing what like I've always wanted or like getting to that place, if that right, makes sense. Right, right. Um, seeing a little more of the benefits and the stuff come back, just like income shows, just being, you know, this being like, well, all I have to do, you know, even yeah. if I'm just struggling, you know, getting by, you know, I don't, that doesn't bother me. I'd rather just right. do this. Play the long game. And I think a lot of the successful artists that have, have had that mindset of playing the long game have been extremely successful. And it really is just consistency and discipline to get yeah. there. <laughs> um, another thing I think is unique to my situation is I went to school for advertising. Okay. I was going to ask I've you that. Been advertising and marketing. Since then, uh, all through college, I was working with a clothing company, dropping streetwear lines, mm-hmm. vending, vending events, vending music festivals with them, like getting integrated in the hip hop scene here. Um, then we turned it into a rolling paper company as a sales manager, <laughs> doing marketing as well for them. Then I took a year off or I left that, that company and drove Lyft and just did music. And that's when I went on that tour. Yeah. Then I worked at a marketing agency for two years doing like everything under the sun then i just did about two years of freelance work with two cbd companies doing their social media you know doing web design updating their website just creating content stuff like that and now i am kind of taking the leap here uh this next year so i'm actually about to move back home to pittsburgh for a year okay so so i'm just gonna focus on music not have to pay bills with mom and dad and uh try and take this to the next step 
That's awesome. So I'm going to come back to Philly after that. So my point with all that stuff is I've had the marketing, the branding, the the content, the social media, just all of that has been in more of a, a sense of like, I kind of come from that industry right? and like just having a brand that people now can associate that character with. And I think all of that stuff even supports how I act on stage. And yeah. just like, it seems like every part of my brand is supporting it's supporting each other. Right, it all right. kind of works um, together. So I'd say that marketing and advertising arm is another thing that's really helped me where I see kids all the time. It's tough with like a name that I'm like, that's going to get lost in the crowd or there's yeah. no, there's no way to really brand it. And even now there's just so many people, it's tough to stand out. So having that full package is, I think the most important thing. I think managers, agents, yeah. those bigger opportunities are looking for in people where they're like, Hey, You've got not just dope music. You can perform. Mm-hmm. You've got the branding. You your social media is popping off right now. Yeah, you've got yeah. X. You've got all this stuff. Maybe you don't have something, but like you've got the majority of the pieces, so we can take you and put you in our touring circuit of artists yeah. or whatever this looks like, and just let you grow and push your project. And you got to you know? make yourself marketable. <laughs> well, I think five five years ago, you could have yeah. a sick remix on SoundCloud and go yeah. start touring and, and yeah. blow up. And yeah. not that that can't still happen, but I think what we're seeing like with A-Craze, like you almost have to have a song that big now yeah. to kind of blow up. And not that someone's not going to notice you for like some bigger song, but like it's much different. Most people don't even know that he used to be a dubstep producer too. <laughs> Crazy dubstep. Yeah. And, that, and that's honestly such a success story of seeing that yeah. transfer because yeah. I don't think he was getting the love. Nope. His music was dope. Yep. How long did it take you to figure out what puzzle pieces you need to fit into your brain wrap project? How, how long was that process? Or you, I mean, you're still working on it, but like in terms of just like, maybe I had music and I needed yeah. to figure out DJ or just like what, like, I mean, basically it started from DJing and I shortly after that year, I was like, dude, I want to be an artist. Like, I got to make music. Like I'm Same. not just going to be a DJ out here. Then I, I figured out the name. Yeah. Cause I was just like a random name. And where I did the name dude. come from? It's not deep. Uh, it was back in, uh, you know, we were messed up at college one time. <laughs> so I remember saying my brain is racked uh, right now. And my family was like, oh, it's brain rack. And then when I went to be like, yo, I need a name. For some reason, it popped in my mind. And I was nice. like, stuck. So it's really not deep at all. I think it's deep though. It really relates to like. Out. I was like, my name is Alex Kennedy. So I used to be Aiken. That was my nickname. So I was like, PJ Aiken or Aiken. I was like, if that name is on a festival lineup, it's going to get lost. It's nowhere. No, it doesn't mean anything to anyone. My friends know me by it, but what does that mean to an audience or my future fans? Or what what does that mean? I don't think it's anything to latch on. The brain rack, there's a lot of grit in that. There's a lot of stuff that could be behind that. And I think now, like I say, like with this full package, uh, that I believe I have credit. There's stuff, you know, there's things I need to do and I always be growing, but obviously my craziness on stage, like supports yeah, the name, that emotion, yeah. the, the visuals with my brain rack character all typically convey some sort of emotion that I feel like I identify with. Like all these ideas come from like how I'm feeling or songs that I've written. And I'm like, okay, let's do this with the character. And then yeah. I, I have a guy who I work with. He's one of my friends who does the character and I come with the idea he starts with a sketch and then turns and puts it into Illustrator or Photoshop and and runs with it from there. But, I was gonna I was gonna um, ask because a lot of your merch stuff is like really on point. I love your merch; it's really well done. You. All your graphic thank design you. stuff is sick. Yeah, uh, I put a lot of time into so so past just like I think the first question like I've kind of just 
each piece, I'm like, okay, what's next? The name, yeah. okay, what's the, we need a yeah. branding character, we need this, that. It's, it's all built and come together um, for sure. And it's just, you know, I think it's maybe even for producers or someone's thinking about this themselves. I always recommend anything you're thinking about, start a Google Doc and just write out what you know, what you think you need to figure out, go yeah. research, go talk to people and just start. If you don't write it down, I have a notebook that I write down everything I need yeah. to do for the week. It's like, you write it down. Any idea I have, okay, I want to do a merch drop. I just create a Google Doc and start thinking, what do I want yeah. to do? Okay, this is an idea. I just start running with it. Um, Writing and, stuff down and brainstorming is, does so much good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I take my time with those merch drops. And I really like, for me, like I came from in Pittsburgh. I, would, I was in metal and screamo and was going to show. And so I think where some of my taste with the merch um where it's not maybe this thrash metal crazy graphic but it's very much like if you went to a metal show you'd see this kind of this right. that merch i think it was like what i identify with but i get inspiration from that and i just like you know i'll probably put some logo stuff out eventually but i'm very much like i want to do this cool piece of art yeah yeah and make this thing special and kind of drop not i'll have merch is always available someday but i kind of just do these limited drops so it's i was like, going to ask you about that because i saw your instagram story literally today that people have one day left i mean so by the time this, this episode goes yeah, live it's so gonna be done but how does that work? i did a, i did a pre-order so i okay. dropped pre-order for two weeks and then i'm going to place the order tomorrow and then everything will be shipped in like two weeks or something Got but you. Um, or sometimes I'll like buy the merch up front, but you know, it's tough to put that money up front sometimes and you don't know if it's you're going to sell it or not. <laughs> where the pre-order is like dope. Okay. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to buy some more on top of it, but it's like the money's already there and I don't yeah. have to go invest in it. Right, um, right. Yeah, no, I'm happy. You like the merch. I mean, it's just another arm where I'm like, I've taken, I feel like I've taken my time to be like, okay, I've got the merch. I've got my website. I got my email list. I'm collecting, you know, people's emails from all these purchases. Like just, these things were like, as time grows, I'm going to have my own fat email list yeah. of people that who there's like a thousand kids in there that are going to buy the merch each time I yeah. drop. They're going to pre-save my song. They're going to, you know, where right now with social media, just here's a marketing bit. Yeah. So hard to reach everyone. It's so yeah. hard to get through these channels where if you build your own email list or so, or, or other so powerful. things like that, you have your own Absolutely. thing to just blast and you're, people. And at that point, yeah. you're running a fully like functioning business too they you say have like it's like when you, get, when you get your first it's like yeah we all have a ton of followers on instagram but like when you get your first thousand like followers that are buying merch yeah. they're pre-saving they're, bu they're buying yeah. tickets to the show that's when it's like really like and if you can control that or like yeah. at least have access to that yep. directly with like an email list it's really smart um you know and so it's, it's not i mean anyone i have a squarespace website yep put your logo on it set it up. It's all simple. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the stuff where like, you know, go, go start your LLC, make a yeah. website, have a brand, make sure you have all your social, social media channels. It's just all this stuff where I've learned from marketing and advertising. It's just like, I feel like I look at some other people and maybe they're, you know, most, most bigger DJs who are really talking clearly have all this stuff. Obviously. Like, <laughs> you know, I teach kids lessons and this is, uh, you know, I, I'll talk Part about stuff that, like yeah. this even past just production. Cause it's a big, like, how do you email an artist? How do you email a label? Like stuff like that. Like, the, oh, here, I'll show you. Here's my template. Here's what I do. Or like it's whatever. The biz, it's the business and that no one sees. <laughs> exactly. And so yeah. this is why I feel like I have more of a full package of like, yeah. I can email properly to anyone. I could go shake hands and talk to any agent or manager and like have a professional be like right on point with them and be like, kind of 
have the wherewithal to know what to say or kind of how to treat that conversation. Like, right. you know, maybe I don't want to bring this up yet, but like, oh, just hear what they have to say. You know, whatever that looks like. So I think that's helped me, me and just like my team. I feel like it's easy to work with me and like get our stuff done. I'm not, I'm very quick and I'm on top of try to everything, you know, that I'm doing with the project as much as I can, you know, to, yeah. you know, but um, yeah. So, awesome. um, yeah, I think we were answering a few cut no, questions. No, you're good. You've been an amazing guest. Um, is there anything that you want to, before you. We, before we wrap up here, is there anything that you want to promote or get out there that's coming up? So, um, I know it's going to come out. I was going to, you know, the merch drop's going to yeah, be yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I'm promoting. I am about to drop a lot of music. So three, two eyes closed VIP on Ooh. Obsidia. 318, a collab with my friend Redline District is going to be on Hesh's new label. Oh, sick. I didn't know he was doing the label. uh, It's called Fuck Shit. Well, I think they've had the label, but just like he releases on it. But they're dropping a compilation on March 18th. So I'm on that initial compilation on Fuck Shit Records. And then April 6th, I'm self-releasing Complicated, which if you've been through Brainwash Volume 1, it's the song that the merch is based off of. Okay, gotcha. Um, So another example of like, I had this song. And I that I went to the idea of what that merch was. What was the deciding factor of self-releasing that? We've been pitching uh, a lot, and it just it didn't get signed, and we just kind of like didn't hear back from this last label. And I was like, all right, we're still pitching about four or five songs that were in that batch of songs. Like I have, I'll like take a few different songs and we'll pitch to different people. Um, But I was like, enough complicated coming out. People love it. I love yeah. it. It's one of my favorite songs I've made. I'm like, it's coming out. And I had this specific art direction. I'm and it's special, a, yeah. I'm going to be doing a cool marketing campaign. going to be doing a little uh, like guerrilla marketing, like on the streets, like doing Sick. some cool stuff in a few different cities. Nothing crazy, but yeah, yeah. this is my marketing mind. I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't just want to post on social media. I want to go do out, go out there and do something. Yeah. So we're about to drop a lot of music. Awesome. I'm getting booked on a few festivals, a few shows this summer. So. I'm definitely going to be playing a bunch of out-of-state stuff, so there'll be chances for people to kind of see me around. Hopefully Lost Lands. I'd love to see um, your set of Lost Lands. Hopefully Lost Lands. <laughs> we don't know. I can't guarantee yeah. anything, but I, I'm really hoping, and that's why I'm trying to do my best to just yeah. stay with them, send in as much music as I can, and just stick with the Subsidia family because awesome. they've done so much for me. Yeah. So that's pretty much all the notable stuff I can talk about, but yeah. I'm not stopping. I got a lot of new music on the way a lot of dope collabs um i think it's so commendable just the the amount of time that you put into this and i mean everyone who's especially at your level puts in a lot of time i understand that but but the consistency through the amount of time that you've been doing this is awesome and it's so inspiring for not only me but i'm sure the people listening as well so um how can the fans uh, of the show support you and find you so um appreciate my music listen to my music drop when i do merch drops stuff like that i think Towards this summer, I'm gonna more have like merch that's just like gotcha, available yeah, on my yeah. website. For I have like I'm figuring out like a new situation, but so that might be you know available more regularly. Sweet. But tickets to shows, and if you want to come see me in your city, or want me to come there, talk to your promoters. I mean, it's like you hear you hear everyone talk. You know, it's like you need the consumers in that city to be talking about you and asking yep. to see you yep. for the person who's running those shows to want to invest and bring you there. So I mean, 100%. talk to your promoters, tell them about me, buy concert tickets, merch, pre-save my songs. I'll be spreading your name up here in North Coast, So Thank you so much. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Uh, one final question before we get out of here. Yeah. Uh, one piece of advice you could tell yourself when you first started the Brain Rack Project, what would it be and why I ask this question at every single interview? Um, try not to stress, 
too hard about little stuff. And, and it, I feel like I stress about everything. And there's so many times where I've worked myself up and just like over stuff that like within a day or two, it's kind of worked out or it's like, I didn't need to worry about yep. that. Um, so the small stuff. don't stress the little things. Be easy on yourself. Making music is difficult. Getting in this business is not easy. It's yeah. very grim. Yeah. The more you get into it and see what really goes on in the background, um, and just try and have fun and just keep going. If this is what you want, just keep going. Oh, have yeah. fun and it'll come to you. It'll awesome. let we you know just and put the good energy in there. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's it. And I really appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for coming on. Of course. Red, 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 red
yeah, I'm back in the gift. Them man, I'm cause I'm back in the split.
Thank you so much, BrainRack, for coming on the show today and explaining to us why having that full package as an artist is so important. Please, guys, go give him a follow on social media and go check out some of his music. However, if you are someone who is wanting to start building that full package around your project and aren't really sure where to get started, then I invite you to come join the Underground Society Facebook group of the Society Meeting Room, where myself and the rest of the Underground Society would love to talk to you about your next step in your project and help support you in any way we can along your journey. The link for that is in the description.